Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You believe there's always something or someone better waiting on the next flight. You forgot how to go home. You forgot how to go home. You forgot how to stay. You forgot how to stay. When will you learn love is a firefly? You will never never hold hold one one if you try try to to hold them them all. When you attempt to be everywhere at once, you become fragments. I become fragments. Broken cremains of emotion and bodies scattered in bedrooms. Trying to gather the dust and present yourself whole. No wonder wonder it took took so so long long to find yourself. To find myself. Omnipresence is a skill humans will never accomplish. Though we wish that were not the case. It's the middle of July in Los Angeles. The night sky has draped itself over the restless airport. And my Delta flight back home to Atlanta waits on the tarmac. And I'm one of the first to board because, you know, I got status. Diamond medallion, elite flyer, you feel me? And passengers are spilling themselves down the aisle to their seats. The overhead lights still guiding their path. And the flight attendant giving instructions over the intercom. I've taken my usual window seat on the exit row, but this time was not usual. I sat stoic. The details of conversations happening around me mush into faint mumbles. In the light, Surrounded by strangers, I stare straight ahead, tears dragging themselves down my skin. In that moment, I feel myself become fragments. To give context, uh, this is sort of the prequel story to the kitchen story that I told on the episode, the previous episode with Natalie. It's summer of 2018. I had been traveling more than ever. My schedule was highly irregular. And I'd say this was the pinnacle of my traveling. In this moment, I'd been flying about three to four times a week for a couple of months straight. And around this time, I was making the most elaborate yet unsuccessful attempts at rekindling a relationship that failed because you guessed it 
I travel too much or simply not being present. Even when I was with her, I was somewhere else. I was airplane mode personified. And here comes the climax. Mind you, I had been on a string of several flights for about a week and a half. But once I landed from this trip, I would finally have two whole nights to spend in my own bedroom before heading to a show in New York. Or so I thought. Apparently, I had my travel dates confused. This flight from L.A. was landing in Atlanta at 4.30 a.m. My flight to New York was leaving the same morning at 8.15 a.m. Yes, that's right. I was getting on a flight all the way across Obama's America just to board another plane up north. And what's worse is that I was in L.A. for poetry tour rehearsals. But my New York show was a music concert and I had none of my guitar equipment or merch with me. So I couldn't just stay in the airport. I couldn't just reroute from L.A. to New York. When I landed at 4.30 a.m. in Atlanta after a five hour or so flight from L.A., I would Uber home, pack all my stuff sleep for about 30 minutes and then Uber right back to the airport. And I came to grips with that on the plane between the fatigue, the thought of not feeling connected to any friends, having to cut some family time at home short because of traveling for these shows and then missing out on the love I wanted because of scenarios just like this. It all, yeah, it, it all just crashed in on me. That day, traveling, the thing I loved so much, had finally broke me. Right there in seat 27F. service from Chicago to Atlanta. My name is Joseph. I will be your flight attendant, assisted by our Atlanta-based cabin crew. We ask that you please fasten your seatbelts and secure all baggage. What's going on, family? My name is Joseph Solomon. I'm a singer, songwriter, poet, spoken word artist, YouTuber, lifelong student, ever doubtful Christian, frequent flyer, ex-boyfriend, <laughs> uh, and tired. <laughs> Welcome to the fifth flight of the Flights and Feelings podcast of season one, where we thoughtfully and vulnerably travel through faith, relationships, sexuality, science, health, and culture via storytelling, poetry, and conversation. For today's flight tip, obviously we can't talk about flights and feelings and, and tips and stuff and traveling without addressing the obvious elephant in the room, the coronavirus, right? Everyone's kind of freaking out about that. If you're in the States, your chances of catching coronavirus are pretty slim. And if you want to prevent uh, getting the virus, you just take the proper steps that you would with any other 
situation, what you should be doing in general. Okay. One, staying hydrated. Okay. That helps your immune system. Uh, prehydrate before flights, hydrate during the flight, hydrate after the flight. Um, I avoid alcohol on flights just because it puts your immune system at risk as well. Uh, you can put the mouth mask on if that makes you feel any better. But more than anything is when you touch stuff, just don't touch your face. Don't touch your mouth. Don't touch your nose. Constantly washing your hands as much as possible. And if you're sick already, don't travel. Just don't take the risk. Don't put your immune system at risk and don't put others at risk. These are some really basic stuff about the just not catching stuff in general. So that's today's flight tip, y'all. The, the tip is don't get the virus. Between cheap airfare and being able to have an instant video conversation with people in a whole different time zone, security cameras that we can watch halfway across the world. You can live in Texas and open your garage door from Spain, right? Technology gives us the illusional hope that we can be everywhere at once or at least multiple places while still remaining intact as humans. So we spread ourselves across so many different dimensions of life. And this is especially true for the young 20 and 30 somethings who maybe just graduated from college, step into a new career, transition to a new city. You have way more options in life, travel, careers or love than in your previous stage. And then you consider with those options, the fact that you're young. You're ambitious and you've got the energy and the technology and maybe even the money to project multiple images of yourself out into the world in many different ways. And my experience that day on the plane in L.A., I think is largely a metaphor for millennials and Gen Z. We want to and try to be everywhere at once not realizing that it breaks us in so many ways. We struggle with being present because we want to be omnipresent. We want to be in multiple places at once, but eventually we bump up against our own humanity. So we're going to talk about coming to grips with being finite, with securing ourselves in the reality that we cannot be omnipresent. We should only want to be present. You know, oftentimes we'll hear preachers talk about how humans attempt to be like God in different ways. Um, They try to be all-knowing or self-righteous or self-sufficient or whatever. And as we move further into modernity, the efforts become stronger. But I think one way that many people are striving to achieve God-like powers, deity status, and we don't even realize it, is omnipresence. Historically, Christian theology has labeled characteristics of God as communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. 
and you can just Google the list. Okay. Communicable attributes are godlike things that as humans, we already have or should try to have. Example, God is spirit. So are we. God is good and love and truthful and wise. And we should strive to have all of those attributes as well. But then there are the attributes of God that we cannot and should not try to achieve the incommunicable. And one of those attributes on the incommunicable list is omnipresence. A classic definition of omnipresence is that God is in all places and in all dimensions simultaneously. There's nowhere we could ever go in the world or the universe that God does not be. Whether you believe in God or not, a basic working theist definition of omnipresence includes that God is to be unlimited in or by space and time. To be human is the opposite. Though I know we would wish differently. Like you saying, that just made me think about, man, there's a reality that, all right, I went to college, I, I graduated, I have a career that affords me this opportunity to travel the world that was made possible by my parents, made possible by my grandmother who ended, got, you know, dropped out of school at 13 to help raise her brothers and sisters. And as much as I'm traveling the world, she's like, where are you at next? And she's like, you need to sit down somewhere. And a part of me at times cringes at the thought of sit down somewhere. Don't you see this world that we have in front of us? I know you grew up in Bixby, Snake Creek, Oklahoma, and y'all didn't have much back then. But come on, Granny, get out. Let's travel the world. And a lot of times it's ignorance and arrogance that makes me look up on the way that she values home and staying still and driving to my aunt's house every day for the last 15 years doing the same thing like the access I don't know it's just it makes me feel a bit um ungrateful ungrateful for the mundane things and the and going home made me realize like man there's so much magic in those mundane things and it also that privilege has made me try and force my grandmother to be me. Come on, let's go to Paris. Come on, let's go. And she's like, I just want to go to the Y and do water aerobics. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, she's for real. I just want you to come over here and let's watch The Bachelor and all your aunties and we're going to sit up in this room. And it's just like a part of me in this access is just like minimizes what it means to just have a home and, and consistency and steady people and a routine. So let's talk about how this plays out in a couple of practical ways. One, the classic example of this omnipresence that people try to achieve. And everyone has found themselves in this position probably today or in the last 24 hours. It's being at a group outing or a date or with family or with friends or whatever, just a space where you are to be present with physical people. And then you pull out your phone and sometimes it's out of anxiousness, boredom or busyness or whatever. 
But I think there's a deeper level to any of those reasons. And that is we want to be out with our friends, but we also want to be with our social circle that is online. And there's nothing inherently wrong with wanting a digital circle. Okay. Don't hear me saying that, but at the core, what we are trying to do is be with people locally and globally at the same time. We don't want to get off social media because we don't want to miss out on something. But we also want to go out with friends because we don't want to miss out on something. And this is colloquially, can I say it right? Colloquially, casually called FOMO. FOMO, fear of missing out. But the fear of missing out is simply the fear of not being in multiple places at the same time. Example, the toddler who doesn't want to go to bed even though they are extremely sleepy, but all of their parents' friends are out in the living room. They really want to go to sleep, but they also want to be where the quote-unquote fun is. But you can't have both. So what happens to this toddler is a type of breaking in them. They get cranky. They start crying. So they can't even really be joyfully present with people. But they can't sleep either because they want to be with people. They're torn. That's how our interactions are with social media or our phones and with physical relationships. I want to be with my family on vacation or during the holidays. But my presence with them is fragmented because I really want to make sure I'm not missing out on anything on my phone. But my presence on social media is also fragmented because what I have to offer people on social media is better grown by real interactions I have in life. The wisdom, the insight, clarity, humor, thoughtfulness, empathy. These are all great things we can contribute online. But all of those things become limited when we're trying to be in both spaces at the same time. So we become that friend, that brother, that significant other that constantly gives a super delayed, uh, yeah, 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 I'm listening, while we're typing something on our phone. And you know how we try to play that off? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was listening, I was listening. You'll say, yeah, I was listening. You you said X, Y, Z, right? See, see, I told you I was listening. But see, that's just a trick. I was a speech communication major in college, if that means anything to you. And I think it was in our interpersonal communication class that we discussed how the human brain can basically, on average, record and repeat the last like four seconds of whatever it just heard, even if we weren't actively paying attention. So if someone asked me, okay, well, what did I just say? I can literally replay the recording without actually processing what was said. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you said that you were gonna go by the gym at, at 4 p.m. See, I told you I was listening. But the real test is this. Ask someone, okay, yeah, that's what I said, but what did I say right before that? And their mind goes blank every time. 
every time, especially dudes, men and women typically, not all the time, but generally speaking, men and women process multiple messages differently. Most men cannot actively process two or more messages at the same time, while women either can or at least attempt to. Okay, so here's here's the example. The experiment we did in class was the professor played two different audiobooks at the same time. What women in the class tended to do was try to listen to both stories at the same time, however poorly the attempt was. They found it very difficult to focus on just one message. But men tended to just choose one and then tune the other one out. Quite successfully, actually. So when a guy is watching a game or listening to something very intently or on his phone, generally speaking, again, not every guy, they literally cannot hear, let alone process, another message because their brain has chosen to cancel all the other messages out. Maybe some evolutionists would explain that this was helpful in hunting and being able to cut out distractions in order to get the job done. While women were at home being mothers and cooking, cleaning, taking care of animals and watching Oprah, they were doing all these things just fine. Which may have some truth to it because I got some married homies that when their wife leaves on a business trip or a girl's trip or whatever, they're like, yo, was she doing all this at the same time? Like, does she have a clone that I don't know about? All these, are all these clones on vacation together? Is a clone's night out? But either way, either way, in this experiment, the women were trying to process two messages at the same time. But that's not to say they were doing it successfully. They couldn't tell you the details of each story. They had fragmented realities. And I know all of this. And this is why when someone is trying to act like they're listening to me while being on the phone, I just stop talking and wait for them to come back to the present. For myself, when someone is trying to talk to me and I really need to send something on my phone, I'll just say, excuse me, let me send this first. I want to make sure I'm fully paying attention to you. But that's just to put all my friends on notice. Don't try that phone trick on me. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. You're not listening, dog. You're not listening. Yeah, but I believe this this notion of trying to be omnipresent plays a huge effect in our mental health as well. When talking about depression and anxiety, which by all professional accounts have skyrocketed in modern Western societies in the past 10 years or so. And this is no coincidence. But let's get a little nerdy real quick. All right. Not that nerdy, not too nerdy, but just bear with me for a moment. A little science class. So space time is a thing. Usually you hear about it in like sci-fi movies or whatever. It's a real thing. Okay. As we move through three dimensional space, I walk through my room or whatever living room 
as I'm walking through space, I'm also moving through time. Time and space are tied together. And to be at a particular place at a particular time, say I'm in my bedroom at 10.32 a.m., that is to be in a position in what we call space-time. I'm in a space-time position. I wish I could show a diagram of what this looks like, but basically you have the ability, you have the ability to return to the same spatial position as many times as you want. Example, you go to the toilet every night, (laughs) same space in the universe. You're returning to the same space, but you can never return to the same space-time position. No matter how many times you go back to the toilet, you will never be able to go back there again in the year 2019 or yesterday or three seconds ago or at the beginning of this sentence because I know some of y'all are listening to this right now on the toilet. (laughs) You can only return to that space in the future. Here is a huge factor for the reasons some of us are desperately depressed and always anxious. We are in the present, but we want to be in our past and in our future at the same time. We want to occupy multiple space-time positions. What's driving us into the darkness is fantasies of space-time travel. We wish we could go back and change things that happened in our life. Maybe redo a few major decisions. Try to cover up some regret. Or maybe we just sit there and replay bad memories over, over, over again in our minds. Trying to be present while also occupying the past. We have also walked through so many versions of the future in our brain, worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow or next year. And these future worlds that we've created in our brain are painted with pessimism. Remember the movie Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio? If you don't remember it, please go watch it. Oh my gosh, great movie. Uh, One of my favorite movies. I love thinker thrillers. And the whole basis of the movie is that he has moved back and forth between dreams and reality so much that he has struggled to figure out what's really real. The dream? Am I in a dream or am I in reality? Even the viewer is not quite sure if we've been watching his reality or dream the whole time. And we are similar in real life in that we have, quote unquote, been to the future and to the past. We've been to our future and we've been to our own past so many times that it's beginning to blur into our present reality. A massive chunk of what I've been depressed about has never been about what I'm presently experiencing even if what I'm going through right now is actually painful or sad, 
the sadness or the pain is multiplied when I start to speculate about the past and about the future. Things I cannot change or things I have no way of proving will actually happen. So in a lot of ways, my past can actually affect my future. You know, you know, it can affect in the sense, you know, if I have a criminal record or whatever it may be, that can affect what I may be able to do in the future. So I'm not saying the past cannot at all affect the future. But the power of the past is exaggerated when now it's actually making me less motivated or more pessimistic about what I'm currently doing. Rather than saying, okay, the past has happened and there's literally nothing I can do about it. I occupy. Rather, we should be saying, okay, the past has happened and there's literally nothing I can do about that. I can't change the past. I can't occupy the past. I can only occupy this current position in space-time. I respond however I choose, but no matter what, I literally, I respond to the past however I choose, but no matter what, I literally cannot change events that have already transpired in space and in time. And I don't know what the future holds, so I can't overreact to my worries or expectations about it. And this perspective places us more accurately in our proper human position in the present right now. Because unlike God, we cannot occupy all spaces and all dimensions at once. We are here and we are now. This should probably be a whole episode in and of its own. And I don't even want to talk about it because I feel like I'll be incriminating myself in some way. I'm just going to be getting at my own problems. But I'll say this. You can't think that your desire for omnipresence only affects, you know, your normal everyday life things and not affect the larger narratives of other parts of your life, such as love. Remember my flight tip from the first episode about you know Southwest and Delta. The appealing thing about Southwest Airlines to the majority of, of travelers is what appeals to many of us in this culture. And that is try to get the most that I can with the least amount of strings attached. I want to get the two free check bags, please. I want to bring my bags. But I also want the no cancellation fees, right? I don't, I don't want no cancellation fees. I want you to accept all the baggage that I have free of charge. But I also want to be able to back out if my plans change. And again, at the core of this is the fear of not being omnipresent. 
that if I decide to be in this one place, I might be missing out on other places, other plans. So Southwest is less of a risk. Simply staying in a talking phase, whatever that is, or slide the DMs and then go ghost and then slide back in the DMs and then go ghost. I mean, that's essentially the idea of a ghost, right? Is to be there, but not be there. It's that Donnell Jones syndrome. I just need time to see where I want to be. Because where I want to be is everywhere. (laughs) But because I can't be everywhere, I end up being really nowhere. And the root of the fear of commitment is FOMO, the fear of missing out. But the trippy thing is this you actually do end up missing out. I told y'all, I I love Delta. And for a while, I didn't want to go with Delta because I felt like I was missing out on all the flexibility of Southwest. But Delta may not be able to offer me as much flexibility, but it can offer me security and luxury and service and a whole bunch of other stuff, right? So romantically, we are and myself included, because of our fear of missing out on flexibility, we miss out on security, on the beauty of pain that contrasts so well with joy. So because you're afraid of being in one place, you end up being in no place. Okay, that was a lot. Maybe a little turbulent air for some of y'all. Sorry, the pilot should have uh, warned y'all. But let's let's offer some landing gear. What are some practical ways to be present? I think we all know that in some way we have to be present, but where are some good starting points? Well, one, I would say frequent layovers or breaks. I make a regular habit of deactivating my social media accounts from time to time. And it just really depends on how I'm feeling. Um, when I feel like I've been on there too much, I'm like, yo, I got to let it go. And it's tough because social media is the main way I make a living. And the way, the main way I choose to be an introvert, uh, I do full deactivation instead of just deleting the app, because the way I'm set up, I just know I'll log in on the browser or I'll re-download the app or whatever. It's crazy. So I just cut myself off completely. And my productivity and my presence go up tremendously, almost immediately. I'm part of conversations more. I get more work done. I'm way more creative and introspective. Social media is a great way to show off our creativity. And it's also a great way to stunt or slow down our creativity. 
And so it's not bad to be on social media. It's just that sometimes we need that clean break to recalibrate our brains, to not desire it so much. Get off for like a week or two or longer if you need it and then get back on when you feel like the craving is much less, when you feel like you don't need it as much. It now serves as a tool for you to be present online in the way that you choose to be versus making you less present in ways that you don't choose to be. Uh, The next thing I would say is a huge thing I've been doing. Y'all probably heard me mention this before. I've been on this for about a year or so is guided meditation, mindfulness meditation. And I know to some people that sounds like some weird new age mystic stuff. And, uh, you know, it's kind of trendy right now. People think it's like emptying your mind, but it doesn't have to be all that. It's not emptying your mind at all. It's becoming more aware of it. You ever ask your significant other or anybody, hey, what, what you thinking? What, what you thinking about? And they say, nothing. That's impossible. Okay. Unless you're like one of those rare people who don't have an internal voice in their head, which there's a whole like <laughs> wave going around that about right now, the whole conversation. It's kind of, it's kind of trippy. I don't know. I, if you're one of those people, please email me. Um, even if you don't have an internal voice going on, your brain is constantly thinking of something, even when you're not fully aware of what it is thinking. So mindfulness helps you become more aware of that. To be able to settle the brain for a while in the morning. And as you practice it more, you become more aware of your thinking throughout the day. So then you're able to catch those thoughts that try to transport you back into the past or transport you to the future unnecessarily. It's like saying, okay, that was an interesting thought. I saw it. Now let me come back home to the present. I'm becoming aware of my thoughts. And I'm a praying person. I pray, but like everybody else listening, even in prayer, our brains just do whatever they want. You'd be forgetting what you was praying about. So mindfulness meditation has actually been a really helpful time for me right before praying just to settle and practice on focusing my mind a little bit. A basic way to do this is just put a timer on. Take a time to sit and breathe for five or 10, 20 minutes. And just focus on counting your breaths up to 10. Nothing else. Just count up to 10 and then start back over at 1. In is 1. Out is 2. In is 3. Out is 4. You're going to do that up to 10. And that sounds basic enough, right? It's stupid difficult. (laughs) It's stupid difficult. And it just highlights how difficult it is for us to stay in the present throughout our day. You can't think if you can't do that for 20 minutes, how often is your brain running off throughout the day? We're we're just trying to train the brain to come back to the present. That's all this is. Uh, Here's the last thing I'll say. You know, the cool thing about flying on a plane is that every time you fly is an opportunity to put your phone on airplane mode. No text. No calls, no notifications. Don't pay for the Wi-Fi. Save your money just for an hour or a couple of hours or a few hours. Or if you're traveling overseas, be totally disconnected from the world below you and connected to where you are 
and who you are now. Hear the hum of the engine, the wind rushing against the body of the plane, and just be in the sky. So I think together, family, frequent flyers, flights and feelings, travel companions, we should bring airplane mode to earth. Every day, you choose the amount of time. I don't want this to be an opportunity to guilt yourself or pride yourself, but to grow yourself. So every day, put your phone on airplane mode for 10 minutes or 20 or an hour or just for your lunch break whatever in between classes or for the first half of the day you choose but this time coupled with prayer reading meditation whatever it may be this is airplane mode time and this is a time for you to be able to sort through your own emotions your thoughts without distraction And don't do it for a time that you wouldn't be using your phone anyway. (laughs) Okay, that's cheating. But do it during a time that you know you'll be alone or around people that you would love to be more present for. According to the ancient Genesis account of the origins of humans, and their relational experience. Our first mother and father, Adam and Eve, wanted to spiritually and intellectually ascend beyond their small garden and essentially their small existence that they were confined to. This desire was promised by a serpent to be fulfilled at the tree of knowledge, a promise to be unlimited and untied from the restraints caused by their humanity. Maybe they got bored of all the things in their tiny ecosystem, their community. Maybe they thought there has to be something around here that makes me more than the human I've grown tired of being. So they were promised a flight, a departure from the everydayness of every day. They wanted to know everything God knows. And I guess in similar fashion today, we want to be everywhere God be. We so human. And that comes with a lot of great capabilities, but also with a lot of limits. And we have to be okay with that. By having a humble perspective of our place in the grand theme of God and life, it may be frustrating, but it better prepares us to be fully where we are now. And that's actually how we avoid missing out on life. Because when you're trying to be everywhere, you always miss out on the here and the now. And it is the millions and millions of little here's and little now's that make up the totality of our existence. 
Well, that wraps it up for episode five of season one. Thank you all so much for tuning in. A couple of flight announcements before we head out. I've started back on YouTube. I've got a little series I'm going to start doing called Why I Still. Just released a video called Why I Still Love Jesus. And also I'm going on tour. So check out flightsandfillings.com for ticket info and dates that I'll be going through in the United States. Just a few of them. Hopefully I'll see y'all out there. I'm really trying to construct this set in a way that makes it feel like the music and the podcast and the poetry have all sort of met themselves in one live experience. So I'm really excited about this. Um, would love to see y'all out there. And yeah, thank y'all for listening to the Flights and Feelings podcast. You could be going anywhere in the world. And you probably are if you listen to this on a flight. But you're right here with us. So thank you for tuning in to the Flights and Feelings podcast. Remember... Always fly home. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Atlanta, where the local time is 10.46 a.m. For your safety and the safety of those around you, please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened and keep the aisles clear until we approach the gate. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 